great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, rub it, just chill for a second. Swearing is encouraged. Jokes are encouraged. T- random side stories are encouraged. Please feel free. And here we go. Is film like milk? Yes. it's got culture in it. And it's... Mm, damn it. Leche. <laughs> Whole milk. Skim milk. Medium milk. I have nipples, Greg. Could you milk Could me? Could you milk me? Welcome back to Age Like Milk, the podcast where we talk about film that has gone bad in the mind fridge of your mind. I am one of your hosts, uh, Paris Taylor is my name, and with me is David William Rogers. Hello God damn to it, you. you stole my joke. <laughs> ah, there's, only, there's only like one joke in the whole film that we're discussing, and I, I stole it. Hello, David. What's up? How you doing? Oh, you know, just living that dream. Um, oh, yeah. David, we are doing a film tonight. Uh, we are. It's a new thing for us because we never discuss films on this podcast. It's mm. very, Mm-mm. very unique. Um, before we get into that, we, we do have a cool guest coming in. I'm very excited to talk to him. But this is a big episode for us. We're excited. This is our 60th episode. And uh, we're just really grateful that everybody has been tuning in. Uh, still waiting on Booty Sweat to call us to give us our sponsorship deal. But it's coming. Yeah. It's, you know, it's a long way to Da Nang. So I assume yeah. that they're going to come to us. Soon. And logistics issues. Yeah. Supply chain, so, all that. Yeah. So, all those things. Yeah. So tonight we are doing a film. David, what is the film that we are doing? We are doing the film The House Bunny, 2008, directed by Fred Wolf. Writing credits go to Karen McCullough and Kristen Smith. And this is a Happy Madison production. So That's Adam Sandler's company. That is Adam Sandler's. Mm -hmm. So you saw a couple different actors that are his buddies throughout this movie. Mm -hmm. And yeah, Anna Faris, Colin Hanks, Emma Stone, Mm -hmm. Kat Dennings. Hugh Hefner, mm-hmm. ton of actors who were just starting out that um, that got bigger and bigger. And like uh, the star, the headliner for what is it that um, that band? And he played he played like a Down syndrome Jesus. Oh my goodness! Yeah, but then he also played like the real. Uh, you'd have to see it. It's a it's a really good show I'll on AMC. So I'll take, I'll take your uh, yeah, word for it. I, I recommend it. Um, are you talking about the All American Rejects guy? Sorry, is that All American Rejects? Exactly. Yeah. Yep. He's like the love interest. Um, and yeah, he was the lead singer of that. Yeah, and he's the love interest of Emma Stone in this film. Love to see it. Yes, stellar cast. Lots of interesting things to talk about. Before we uh, do dive into that, let's introduce our guest. We have Rob Warner joining us. Hello, Rob. Hello. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Rob, uh, how do we know each other? You were oh asking me before the recording. He was like, did you tell David? And I said, no, let's talk about it on the podcast. How do we know each other, Rob? We know each other through something that shouldn't exist and frankly probably doesn't exist anymore uh, in the form we wild. know it. Yeah, not as widely as it used to. Yeah. <clears throat> we met on an uh, excursion called Camp No Counselors. It was a summer camp for adults. Um, I was the raunchy uh, camp leader, uh, camp guide, camp counselor. Paris was an unassuming, naive, innocent little camp goer. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was like a it was like a long weekend for adults summer camp drinking frivolity sexy stuff. Um, Not for me. I will say I was very lame and boring. But there was didn't you meet Macaulay Culkin there? That was the second year. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, the camp no counselors was basically three days of people no phones. You weren't allowed to talk about what people did for a living. 
Um, there was like one tube slide, which was always occupado with people fucking. Um, yeah, it was just, you know, unlimited alcohol plus camper yeah. type events plus men and women sharing rooms. And it was really fun. And I'm fucking kind of- on a tube slide. Yeah. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> I never tried, but it seems very uncomfortable. But it seems you know, logistically difficult. Yeah. Like, props to them. Yeah. You know. Yeah. This, flexible. The the angle you're kind of having to hold yourself up there. At yeah. The exactly. Time. Like what how slippery is it? Yeah. I was, yeah. I was gonna say good core workout. Yeah. 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 The heart rate up. <laughs> but as well as being a wonderful camp counselor <laughs> to a very <laughs> drunk and naive me, uh, Rob also has a very interesting resume, and he sent it to me just moments ago, and I will just read it to you. In oh the, no! In the voice of Anna Ferris, as best I can in this role, Rob Warner is an LA-based actor, writer, comedian, singer, and lover of pizza. Kill me. He performed in the Second City premium show *Trump in Space* for two years. Ooh. The the IO house sketch team *Garden Party* and was most recently in the Rockwell and Dynasty typewriter production of *Bachelor* the musical, where he originated the role of. Chris Harrison, besides like the actual Chris Harrison, he has published work <laughs> in the Bold Italic and sung at Lincoln Center and Carnegie Hall. Training includes Upright Citizen Brigade, Leslie Kahn and the Groundlings for comedy, Mary Jo Dupree for voice, and his mom. How cute. <laughs> Snaps for the Anna Why? Ferris. Oh, right? yeah. Well done. That was what, good. good Anna Ferris. Thank you. Lot, felt like a lot of question marks. Yeah, because in there, that's which what is she is in this. Very movie. on brand. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, and no, uh, uh, Rob is a very talented uh, actor, and mainly has been doing well that I've seen him in stage. But you also obviously audition for other things too. And and I wanted to ask you like how it's been with the pandemic. Like how has acting changed? Yeah, I mean, David knows like a uh, total 180 and then some. It was like, you know, there was like that moment where everything shut down and it was like, okay, and then things started to come back, but not for me. And then like more things started to come back, from, but not for me. <laughs> and then I was like, <laughs> I emailed my agent like, hey, what's going on? Just like wanted to check in. And she was like, oh yeah. Um, well, I asked for what's called a submission report. Submission report is like what any agent should feel totally comfortable giving. It's just like, here's what I've submitted you on. When they get cagey and defensive, that's when you know they haven't been doing shit. And that's yeah. exactly mm-hmm. what she was not doing. Shit. Mm. D- did you have to cut her? Why, like, why wasn't she submitting? I don't. She was just being lazy? Was or just, was there a reason? I mean, in her defense, I had an agent that left. He like He took COVID as a sign to retire and collect unemployment so he left i got saddled with her and i think she was just like never super jazzed about me didn't Mm. put me out for anything and then uh she sent me a very strongly worded email that was like how unreasonable of you for, to ask for this. And then I got an email from my manager being like, yeah, she dropped you. <laughs> and I was like, "Wow." honestly, just like have the balls to tell me yourself that you're going to drop me. Like, yeah. I don't know yeah. all this running around. But anyway. Well, um, we've had to- we've had talks with yeah. other people who have agents and managers. I am currently unrepped. <laughs> I say currently. I have never been repped uh, by either a manager <laughs> or an agent. But when you say currently, it kind of makes it seem like you're just between yeah. you know, relationships. You should always like say between relationships. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, but it's interesting because <laughs> we've had this discussion before where I think a lot of like wannabe writers or people who are trying to act, like you go in and you're kind of, I don't want to say desperate, but you're like, oh, I really want this person to like want me, yeah, right? But no, the end of the day, accurate. well, <laughs> yeah, but you are like, you are the product, you are the gift, right? And so like you want people on your team who are equally as jazzed about working with you, for you, yeah. 
you know, it's a partnership at the end For of the sure. day. Um, yeah, they got to believe in you. They got to believe in you because especially at this yeah. level, they got to hustle for you, right? Like they got to go mm-hmm. out there and really pull a lot of strings to try to get you in rooms. And if they're not mm-hmm. excited about you, then they're just not going to do that. And the problem is that when you have a manager, a lot of agents will take you on because they know the manager is going to do a lot of work mm. and then they just get to collect 10%. Um, yes. But I am now with New Rep, which I'm very excited about. And Yay. my manager, Congrats. who I've been with for a long time, is still with me. Um, she's this sassy old lady who will outlive <laughs> us all. And is she like Joey Tribbiani? She's literally, <laughs> yes. Whenever somebody's like, what's your manager? Like, I'm like, do you remember Estelle from Friends? Estelle. It's her. Joey, I got you again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Listen, I think, you know, one thing that I love about you, Rob, and one of the reasons that, like, you came to the top of the mind and I was like, oh, my God, we got to have Rob on the podcast is because as much as, like, yes, having an agent and a manager is great, you also have to kind of make your own opportunities. And Mm -hmm. one thing I've loved about watching you online over the last, like, two years is that you've really been putting out a lot of, like, TikToks and funny videos. And the one that comes to mind recently is that uh is it beyonce whatever the song is where people just do the drop and the rob drop did this challenge. video the drop challenge and rob did this like <laughs> turning 31 and it's basically just doing like instead of like a sexy drop he's like dropping to the couch slowly dropping to pick up something that he dropped <laughs> on the floor um have you found that having more of like a tiktok presence or like a social media presence has helped you I mean, no, <laughs> hopefully someday soon. It feels like one of those things millennials like, uh, or I'll speak for myself. I feel like I had to get on TikTok because it's where everything is. And it's so weird like that. It's not like Instagram where you like slowly build up things over time. Like that video went viral. I had 120 followers when that video went viral. It got 300,000 views and I got like 2000 followers shit. overnight. So it's just one of those weird algorithm, like, you know, new social medias where I have friends who started sort of early on in the pandemic and have like 1.5, 3 million followers just from doing TikToks over the last like two years. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's definitely something I'd like to be doing more of. Of course, I got to pay bills and that takes up a lot of my time. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's it's a it's a new kind of front. I say it's a, it's a new frontier, like an old woman pushing up her glasses on her nose. Like I've heard of this email thing, you know. But <laughs> no, it, it is interesting how you can go viral, and that's so cool because you just kind of hit it at the right time, I guess. Yeah, and found found that moment. Well, and it does feel like TikTok actually the algorithm also works in benefit of the creator. Like, yeah, there are plenty of people on there who just are like famous and have millions of followers and are shit. But I do know, I do see a lot of people who like deserve to get followings, get followings on TikTok where they Mm. don't get them on Twitter or Instagram. So it is nice to see those people sort of get their day and to blow up on TikTok because, you know, it sort of feels like right. Um, Whereas like... Content creators, it's not just like... Yeah, you're not, it's not like you're just hot or like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Or like you have some famous dad who put Mm -hmm. you on Twitter. I don't know. (laughs) I'm verified. No names. I'm not saying any names. I've said no names so far. (laughs) No, 100%. Uh, It's just interesting as well. Like now with the access to amazing cameras and our phones and shit like that, like you really can just do whatever. So there's not really an excuse not to do it. There's not an excuse, but this also makes you appreciate the work like holy shit the first time i filmed something and i had to edit it do you know how hard editing is and when i look at some of these tiktoks and how brilliantly edited they are i'm like that's an art in itself the editing 
comedic mm-hmm. timing like you can write you can have it in a scene on stage whatever that's great but you then also have to have it as an editor if you're going to be doing a sort of digital 100%. form so and like some of the things like uh we have a friend who does social media stuff and like transitions are really hard and she's really mm. good at transitions and like that is a skill she's everyone it's the same with us with the podcast like we had to learn how to do audio editing right. from the internet and like thank god it's 2021 slash 2022 like <laughs> what, what day we, is it i know well i'm like well 2020 is when the pandemic started when this podcast started but you know like we're so lucky to have access like David and I were able to order like all this shit for the podcast online and then teach ourselves. And yeah, it's a, it's a new world. Mm -hmm. We're not, we're not hamstringed by the studios. No, Uh, it's a whole new world. Speaking of that. So this movie, uh, Rob chose it. The house bunny 2008. (laughs) It definitely is starting to feel like an older movie. 2008 was what? Like 14 years ago, which is, you know, kind of a minute. Um, before we jump into the film, uh david the synops have you ha- had you seen this film before i had not seen so this then you movie do the before you do this hadn't heard this movie before <laughs> but let's get into it all right so you got this this young lady who was an orphan she becomes pretty i guess in high school and people like to take her pictures. She gets hot. She ends up living at the Playboy Mansion with uh, Hef. And then, like, there's three blonde bunnies that had that reality show. And through that, she's just a su- seems like a super nice human being, kind of ditzy. And she's just going about life. It's her 27th birthday. And then all, all of a sudden, she gets kicked out of the house. And she gets a letter saying, like, you're old now. <laughs> you're, t- you're 27. Get out. You got to hit the road. So there's there's something behind the scenes that, you know, uh, went on why she got kicked out. And we will get into that. But so she goes and she she needs a place to live. She was living in her car and she gets in trouble by the cops, goes to jail for one quick second. And then she finds this uh, sorority house. She walks in. She's like, oh, do you guys go to school here? Talking to these house moms and these uh, sorority girls. And like, no, you can't really come here it's not a good fit for you but try the zeta house up the street the mom there just got kicked out for like having hallucinations so she's like all right (laughs) cool so she goes over there and these women at the zeta house are a little bit um you know not what you would ideally think of a sorority Mm -hmm. with like doing all the dances together and wearing kind of sexier or more updated and fashionable clothes. They're kind of all these individuals, like one's got a back brace, um, you know, one's a little taller and big, you know, they're, they're a bunch <laughs> one of, they're tall. One like, of them small. I'm just one saying of, one, one is small. Pregnant, exactly. You know, one of one, one is pregnant. pregnant. Yeah, yeah. One's, one's really tiny. Um, one doesn't speak at all. So you got, and then Emma Stone's like a total kind of nerdy, cast type right so then she helps them kind of come out of their shell and they kind of go a little too far with it and they kind of become like those um sorority girls Mm -hmm. that are mean exactly and harping on other people and then they kind of come back at the end of the movie to like truly who they are like just as the good women that we saw to start with Mm -hmm. so very interesting movie i watched it twice Mm -hmm. this week um something stuck out to me yeah i I was laughing multiple times That's great. when Paris was texting me. I was like, Oh no, this is going to be awful. <laughs> just the premise of house bunny. No, I'm thinking I, I like, just, it's just going to be super. I was just texting uh, you exp- at the very exp- end when the woman 
uh, this is me jumping around, but there's a scene at the end where they're like trying to get the house. Cause basically the whole engine, the whole ticking time clock of this movie is like the, how the Zeta house is going to get kicked out of yeah. the Greek, Greek charter because they don't have any, what are they called? Rushes? Pledges? They don't have rushes. They need 30 pledges to be able to right. stay. And yeah. they're like one short in this town meeting. And I was just texting you when the girl who's pregnant through the whole movie gets wheeled in <laughs> with her baby <laughs> above her head. And I was just like, this movie's going off the rails. But I will say first at the top of this episode, Anna Faris can do no wrong. And anybody yeah. that criticizes her to me is a terrible person. Cause she is so fucking funny. She's phenomenal. And she's an amazing actress. And just like reading about how this movie came to be, like, mm-hmm. I mean, we just, we, why aren't we talking more about Anna Faris? Like every day we should be talking I about know. Anna Faris. And she should be doing more comedy. Like what drives me, what reminded, what really stuck out about this movie to me is that this genre of movie has basically been kicked to the curb. Like mm-hmm. um, Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar is sort of like yeah. the closest thing we've had recently to a comedy of this Which sort of Which was just kind level. of erratic to me. Oh, I, just, oh but did you not of, love it? I did love it, but I was like, this is off the rail. Oh, it's cuckoo bit. bananas, but it's yeah. like it's that that's what you want from somebody like Anna Ferris. Like I don't want to see her do like, you know, highbrow comedy. I want her to be sort of like dumb Anna Ferris. The scary movies were like a comedic, oh. you know, coming scary of Scary movies are amazing thing for me. And she's phenomenal in them. She's yeah. so physical yeah. too, which I don't think we give her enough credit. Like that she's a fully physical actress yeah. and like in comedy, it was so interesting to read, um, you know, about the making of it. So one thing I want to say is, so they pitched this to a lot of places. They, I think they 24 times and they got rejected. And then they wow. went to Happy Madison and Anna Faris is like notoriously early to pitches. So she got there super early and she was waiting in the um, like the lobby and she ran into Adam Sandler because it's his company and they knew each other from the hot chick and he loves her. And she, he was like, what are you doing here? And she was like, we're here to pitch our movie. And so. I mean, by her having that previous relationship, then he went in the pitch with them and then it was like much easier. But I just love that this like star, you know, just like showed up on time. Like that's just more rare than you would think. She's a hustler. Yeah, she's Mm -hmm. a hustler. But uh, she's really like the jewel of this movie. And I, it's funny before I had seen it, the poster kind of makes you think it's going to be a little bit vacuous and a little bit like vapid, Mm -hmm. but and, and actually, some of the critics... Keyword there, keyword vapid. vapid. Yeah, she loves it. Thank you. They, they keep yeah. telling her she's vapid, and she's always like, thank you. And she doesn't know what it means. People but keep telling me that. People keep telling me that. But I will say, like, it's actually got quite an undercurrent of feminism, and I want to get... I want to kick it off with that, because yeah. David sort of talked about it in the, in the synopsis. Like, there is this... If you were superficially looking at this movie, you'd be like, oh, it's like the ugly girls get hot and then they, you know, learn their lesson, but it's not really about that. It's about friendship. It's about female friendship and about, uh, what society, you know, deems and they kind of make fun of themselves. And that's what I think coming into this when I was thinking it was pick, pick this movie and Oh no, it's just going to be over-sexualized and it's going to go that direction. And I'm watching it and I'm laughing and I'm like, wait a minute, there's like a ton of heartfelt, Mm -hmm stuff in this between her and the women that she's getting out of their comfort zone to kind of say like, all right, come look at me. I'm not just this, this thing that you guys put on the side and said like, you're not worth it on this campus. Right. Mm -hmm. And they come out of their shell. Guys start to like them a little bit, show them a little more interest, see what they do have to say is, 
you know, is good and they, what they bring to the table, everybody can enjoy that. And it's not just what the other sororities up the street are like. Right? Yeah. I mean, one of the cutest lessons uh, to that point is Anna Ferris falls in love with uh, the hunky neighbor guy who's also the volunteer. Colin Hanks. Yeah, Colin Hanks, who's also volunteers at a nursing home. Like they really, like they, they picked archetypes and then they heightened those archetypes. Yeah. Like he has to be a good person beyond that. There's a, there's a great line when she meets him and he's like, yeah, I work in the nursing home. And she's like, that's so nice <laughs> so that you provide a home for the nurses. Yeah. And he's like, no, for the old people. She's like, an orphanage for old people? And he's like, yeah, kind yeah. of. But she, but I think it's so cute how she tries to court him. And first she tries to be her sort of like classic bimbo self, what she learned from the Playboy Mansion. And that doesn't work. And then she tries to get the girls of Zeta to teach her how to be smart. And because she thinks he wants an intellectual and that doesn't work. <laughs> so she kind of swings both sides of the, you know, you know yeah. the pendulum in the movie. And then the lesson in the end is that all she has to do is be herself. And that's, just be yourself. Yeah. Exactly. But uh, so when she starts that, she walks outside, tries to do the Marilyn Monroe oh, thing. And the, <laughs> the gate, she's like, why is steam so hot? There's you know, like so birds or shits. Comedy. There's It's so funny. And I was so geeking out. Good. And then one of the best parts to me is when they're at the mall or whatever eating and she's wearing those insane glasses that she got from Emma Stone's <laughs> yeah. character and she's trying to talk about politics and she's like who are you going to vote for well I don't know I I think uh, I normally on American Idol like I go with well, Randy or Paul. She does, but then she doesn't say that yeah I just forget the, the mean guy's name Simon so Simon, but then uh, the waiter comes over and she's like oh my god thank god like she could stop uh, fronting yeah. basically yeah. and stop being that person and like someone came to distract it and I've had that so many times like in my life where like I'm fucking something up in a conversation <laughs> and somebody shows up I'm like oh my god thank god you saved me basically I thought that was one of the funniest parts she of also has one of the greatest lines where she asked the waiter if she can just have one mahi instead of the mahi yeah. mahi because she's not that <laughs> hungry she's not that hungry <laughs> <laughs> it's just brilliant writing. So it's good. interesting. It's interesting to read again, like going back to the making of this, they originally wanted this to be much darker. They were going to have hmm. her become uh, like a prostitute and stuff like that. So this was like slated to be a much darker film. Like get it. Well, basically the question that the writers and Anna Faris kind of came up with were like, what happens when a playboy buddy like leaves the ages out? Yeah. yeah. Ages out. Um, she was good. Uh, she pitched that she was going to be a meth addict, meth addict, uh, Anna Faris. And they're like, no, Let's, let's let's not go that direction. Yeah, and it's it's just funny because it, it ends up being like, I mean, David and I do a lot of these podcasts and like we talk about a lot of films, and this film does have conversations between women that aren't just about guys. Like, don't get me wrong, they are talking about like how to be hot and stuff like that. But I think it's important to remember that even on the surface, though this looks like kind of a rom com chick flick, it's really got a lot of main female characters, which we don't always have. Um, and they just, they really talk about stuff that's not just like getting the guy. I'm not saying they don't talk about getting the guy, but they do. And that's what I loved about Emma Stone's character. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes I'm like, yeah, maybe she's pushing a little too much, but I thought she just completely crushed this role when she's talking about maybe we play dodgeball or maybe we take those shoes and time together yeah. like, and throw them. No, bring your throw own the shoes. Yeah. yeah, throw the shoes on the wires because that seems fun. And she's trying to hype up all her friends. Like, let's 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 get more active. And come out of our shells a little yeah. bit. So I thought she did a great job. Yeah, she crushed it. It's also a young Kat Dennings. Oh, Kat Dennings. Yeah. She's unrecognizable. She's unrecognizable. She is unrecognizable. It's so wild. With um, Dollface season two is coming out very soon, any minute now. And um, she's just grown so much. And in this, she's just 
the, that is a really hilarious scene. So she's like kind of playing the one that has all the the piercings and she's got like one of those metal detectors from the airport and she goes over her face and then she goes down to like where her badge is and then she, she's like, you know what, you can keep that one. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> she said quite the career since, yeah. right? She was in um, 40 Year Old Virgin, Two Broke Girls for uh, multiple seasons. Um, she's been in Marvel shows recently. Yep. She was in uh, WandaVision. Yep. Uh, she was in Thor. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, now a couple other things. So she's she's crushing it. Yeah, and all the other girls in the house were great too. I think it, it really, I mean, they did, like you said, they leaned into the sort of archetypes, but then they enhanced them. Like the girl who's super shy is actually the one that's like, I don't like what we've become. Like she finally finds mm-hmm. her voice. Every single one of them goes through the journey. Yeah. Do you remember what group she was in? What group? You guys, I'm... Um, um, dating you guys what group she was a, a singer in oh, oh keely williams that's how i know her three, three l dub three little women three little women players oh they gonna play and ballers they gonna i was looking this up i'm like she looks so familiar yeah and she I, was in a group called three l dub i don't think i know what that is i think i was too yeah. foreign for that sorry <laughs> i'll send you some jams okay great she was yeah. she was cute the one thing i will say and i'm sure you guys noticed this too that she was the only person of color really yeah in the yeah. Film, yeah which David and I always talk about that because, you know, I don't think casting would work that way now. Um, but it kind of did. I did notice it on my second rewatch that she was the only one, woman of color and she was also the one that was like hiding away. So I'm like, oh, so they just got everybody white. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> and no it, worries. it does sort of like it. It does sort of make you realize how sad it was because none of those there was no reason for them all to be white. Like, it's not like we're doing some period drama or some Nordic thing. It's, it's just like, no. oh, yeah, like, you just had a show, you just had a movie where people were in college and you chose to not cast a single Everybody person of color. It was like, <laughs> and and by, by the way, even with, like, things that take place in periods, like, I'm thinking of The Great, they've just been like, fuck it, and everybody's like, Of course, diverse. there's tons you of reasons. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bridget, Brid- I love that about Brid- that Bridgerton, show. Bridgerton, like, the super hot guy, Rafe, whatever. Like, yeah. imagine if he didn't exist in my life. My life would be worse, you know, so... <laughs> I'm glad that Reg they John cast. Pierce, yeah, yeah, Reg. I'm like Rafe. I love him so much. I don't even know what his yeah. name is because um, I'm not obsessed. But yes, I think we've touched on a lot of the good stuff. I did want to raise the Playboy Bunny, Playboy Mansion. Yeah, person. let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. So Hefner, Hugh Hef is no longer with us, unfortunately. He yeah. has R I H R P. But yes. I think I know. Well, uh, he got a very nice portrayal in this film because what they kind of gloss over is that he's this eighty-year-old man living with all these sexy biddies, and he's got these three essentially mm-hmm. wives, uh, you know, hovering around him, and yeah. everybody's just trying to stay in the house and fuck Hef. And so we get before we get into Hef, has he ever had anything come out against him in the press that he was doing anything wrong, or women coming out speaking against him? I cannot. I was thinking about this, watching this a second time, not, and I can't. I can't yeah, think of anything. Not coming to the top of my mind, Rob. Do you recall? I that? thought something came out about Playboy at large. Um, like, oh, I just googled Hugh Hefner, and Insider has secrets of Playboy. Holly Madison says Hugh Hefner offered quaaludes, which, like, okay, you're like you have parties at the yeah. house, you're gonna do quaaludes. That was mm-hmm. that was a real '60s drug, and he was. I think, I mean, look, if nothing has come out, I think it's naive to think that an 80-year-old man surrounded himself with women and built an empire on Playboy and was not like a tiny bit creepy. Or maybe the the 
the magazine had people who were creepy. Yeah, for it. sure. Yeah. I'm I'm just saying, like, with the whole Me Too movement and everything, I think that would just be something extremely, um, like Bill Cosby was at some of those parties mm-hmm. and did some of that yeah. awful, some of those awful things at those parties. I'm right? sure he, but I'm nothing, sure he I don't know if anything. Se- yeah, but I'm sure secrets like, could be. He could have been complicit in a yeah, lot of stuff. I'm just saying him directly. Him directly, and I think, but I think we also like. Uh, you know, idolize someone like Hugh, but it is to me, it's fucking weird that he had all these hot, sexy ladies trying to fuck him. And you know, that he specifically went for a certain type of woman, which was big titties, you know? Um, and even he's got a type. Well, Anna Faris got, (laughs) Anna Faris got lip injections for the house bunny, which is interesting because she felt like the character would have lip injections. And immediately after this film, well, not immediately after. I don't know the timeline exactly, but she got fake boobs as well. Hmm. Um, after she made the movie? After she made this movie. And I think what's interesting with the house money and with like where we've gone with the Me Too movement is that women, you know, she's kind of like in the house and she's like, they portray it as like very loving and friendshipy, but like, let's be mm-hmm. real. Yeah. A lot of women were changing their bodies, which you shouldn't have to do unless you want to, you know, and if you want to, if you though, want to, and that's the thing. So if she, if Anna Ferris wanted to, after the fact, right, she wanted to do one of the nude shots. Yeah. Well, she did the nude scene when, instead of doing a body double, she, which she could have done. And she said, uh, that, that it was very confronting. She, I read an article where she said that was actually really confronting. And she was also a producer on the film. And she felt like after she did the scene, she wasn't taken as seriously, which is interesting. Oh, that's, yeah. um, that's but bad. no, I mean, listen, for me, the Playboy thing, I think, you know, a part of female sexual empowerment is showing your body if you want to show your body. And like, you know, that's, that's where we transcend. Like you do what you want to do. But I think in the Playboy history, there definitely would have been people that got taken advantage of. Yeah, and, and I think unfortunately for that, oh, just to touch on that, I think our press doesn't love the idea of a Playboy bunny being a victim of this type of behavior. Like it's a lot more sort of um, sensational to have like a co-star of Bill Cosby to be a victim of that, but. I can see a situation where someone would not take up the mantle to write a story about a Playboy bunny because there's she's a Playboy bunny. She put yeah, she's a Playboy bunny. She she she, knows, she, she didn't have to go to that party. She didn't have to live in that house. You know, it's that yeah. kind of like yeah. But a lot of these a lot of these actors and models that spoke out were at some of these parties, yeah. right? That they did write about. So I right. just feel like when all that was getting um, swept up that th- some of those stories would have come out. I'm not defending him at all. I'm just saying what we've gotten right. from the press. And like we, and then like we thinking said, about nothing this, has come out about Bill or about uh, Hugh where he was like Hefner, super yeah. creepy or anything. But I think, I think a lot of women did want to be in Playboy. I mean, it's a dream. And even this character in the house funny, she's like, I just want to be Miss November. Yeah. yeah, that was like the pinnacle for models. It was Victoria's but Secret as, and as we, becoming like a Playboy. As we one. know, being, you know, fairly close to the Hollywood Palazzo brouhaha you know like you think that you want the thing and then like the the male gaze or like maybe feeling like you have to do something that doesn't make you feel amazing to get to the thing that you want um i think there is a lot of that too i i'm not a playboy bunny so i can't speak for those people but i know as a woman i've been in situations where you know you're like "Eh, i'll just sleep with this guy like whatever you know and it doesn't make you feel amazing um but so the parties are a little creepy the pot, right. The so, what, what, if you guys were invited, Hugh Hefner's still around, 
the parties are still raging. If you guys got invited, would you go? And would you feel comfortable there? Because I was thinking about it the second time I watched it. Like Shaq's picking her up and yeah. she's blowing out the candle. And then they do a little and he's like, nose rub at the end. Yeah, I was yeah. like, what? Yeah. So I'm just saying like I think we would with go. my mindset now, it's like going I'm to- like, would I go if I got invited to that? And how, how much fun would I have? I think we would go. I Well, I don't want to speak for you guys, but I feel like it, the Playboy Mansion in my mind now, because Hugh's gone, it has that like mythical, like, um, what was that club in New York that was so... Uh, studio 54 studio 54 mm-hmm. you know like there's this magic castle like secret you know it's where the beautiful oh, people by are. by the way have you been to the magic castle it's fucking no. weird <laughs> <laughs> so maybe it would i saw be a weird. comedy show in the parking lot during oh COVID. my god if it's if hugh hefner's uh mansion is anything like the the fucking magic castle you do not want to go <laughs> let me tell you that i mean to answer your question i think i would go i don't think i would feel comfortable i think i would go and try to be the like older brother the second i saw a woman like dazing off or like you know stumbling i'd be like all right get in the cab we're going home let's leave yeah. Yeah, just yeah, like yeah. i'd play i'd play camp counselor because you know that's what yeah. i love to do the, there's definitely like the ego part of me like oh yeah i'm gonna go rub shoulders with these people and check this place out but then on the other side i'm like at a certain point, it, things would be popping into my head like, yeah. oh, that's that looks fucked yeah. up. I mean, that seems weird. I mean, let's be real. None of the – so the three women, it was Kendra. I forget the other one's names, but they're here on the list. Huh? Kendall. Kendra, Kendall, and what was the other one? Was it three Ks? Oh, are they Kim Kardashian? Three Ks. <laughs> Whatever. Holly. Holly, Kendra. Oh, I fuck. That's, it's that's okay. And <laughs> yeah. I mean, all <laughs> three of those Kali. all three of those women left the house, right, eventually. It was like sort of staggered. And then I remember at one point, I think he had like a set of twins that were living there. I mean, those were the three. They were his like three girlfriends for like a while. They were pretty hmm. famous. They had that reality show. None the of other them- blonde of her friend was, uh, I think, after those three. There's a blonde okay. in the beginning when she's like going shopping for her 27th birthday. Mm. Oh. There's another blonde playboy. Okay. She was like one of the uh, yeah. girlfriends. Well, what I was mm-hmm. going to say is that those three main women that we kind of recognize, none of them went on to marry a man of Hef's age, right? Like they all went and got married and did <laughs> and had babies with people that were a little bit more age appropriate. So, you know, were they attracted to the 85 year old man with hairy saggy balls or was it a mean status? Yeah. Shopping. And I mean, even in the film, she like gets kicked out, which let's talk about that. It turns out to be a complete lie. There's this other conniving girl in the house. that's basically trying to get her kicked out. But she she wants Miss November. She wants Miss November. Want, and when yeah, when yeah. Uh, Anna Faris's character leaves, she doesn't even get to keep her car or her cat. She's like kind of kicked out and goes in this like old Pooter. shitty station wagon. <laughs> yeah. Pooter. Right. Yeah, I love that part of that plot device uh, hinges on the fact that the conniving bunny chooses the like house boy who like is there to make margaritas. Yeah, uh, she... He just wants to blend. Yeah, (laughs) all he wants to do is blend. She convinces him to go along with his plan by just giving him delightful nipple play. That's all he wants is to be... Listen, I haven't had the greatest nipple play, maybe because I have smaller nipples and I just (laughs) felt uncomfortable. There's not a lot of surface area. Not a lot exactly to grab onto, to wrench on, but I'm interested to see if someone could give me elevated nipple play, what kind of things would I... Look, if you've ever, if person. you ever are curious, the Folsom Street Fair in San Francisco, the largest BDSM convention in the world, you will open okay. your eyes to all sorts of possibilities with nipple play. I was just there this for for work this at week. the BDSM yeah. convention. 
I, no, no. I wish I would have known that was going on instead no, of the, that's in the trade show I was at. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I think another, another, just to touch on that plot device, like there are, the, I don't know if this is bad or it's probably good, but we've gone away from movies where it's like almost a comedy of errors, right? It's so simple. It's like one person tricks this person into doing something. They also trick somebody else. And then like, eventually they come back together to figure out that, you know, no, neither person was at fault, right? Like she writes a letter to Anna Ferris saying, you know, hey, you have to get out of the house, signs it from Hugh. She writes a letter to Hugh saying, hey, I'm leaving, signs it from Anna. And that's the whole premise of why she goes on to be the house mom of Zeta. And that was like such a 90s trope of like, oh, we're going to trick these people and then spend a whole movie watching them just sort of flail about until we know someone is going to resolve this conflict at the end of the film. Now, do you think you could do that today by... Like hacking someone's IG. Well, that's the thing. It's like two DMs. It's like I would just text him. Like part of the yeah. part of the thing is that you know he's in Europe. He doesn't want to say goodbye. Yeah, he was. She out can't of town. get a, con- She can't get in touch with him. And it's like you would just text him nowadays. You know, it's like <laughs> all those Sex in the City episodes where well, you know they miss all, each other because they couldn't get their voicemail. He <laughs> does. Like, he, uh, you could share a location. Yeah, exactly. He, do, he okay. So he gets this letter and then he's sad and he eats all this Hagen Doss and they're like, Hugh, can we get you anything? And he's like, No, I just want to. No movie tonight, girls. I just want to sit here and be sad. Mm-hmm. And then later, he does call her on the phone. And I'm like, oh, hang on a second. So they didn't even call each other, right? You know, That's like true. They, they could have called one another. Right. But they didn't. Also, sorry, to go back to the Playboy Mansion and if it was sketchy or not, I cannot remember the exact quote, but I was just referring to my notes. And she does make kind of a date rate jug. And I was just looking through the... Oh, yeah. she's she, With her drink? Yeah. She yeah. says something about oh, her yeah. drink. And so mm-hmm. I and, that was, that and was a little off. It's kind of a reference to something that happens in the Playboy Mansion, and I I can't remember the exact quote, but I was raised in eyebrows, so I do think they threw a little shade at yeah. the Playboy Mansion, and yeah, I, and I don't yeah. think any of us can be like, nothing bad ever happened there, you know. It's I think fine. somebody hands her a drink or something is like, I put a little something in your drink, like. Oh, that's right. She's like, nobody. I don't find out until the next day. Oh, yeah. yeah. Thank you for telling me. Yeah. 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 yeah, there were a couple. Uh, should we talk about some things that were a little uh, off Please. color? Shoot, I mean, shoot it the up. Aztec party? <laughs> <laughs> so there's a scene when Anna Ferris discovers that Emma Stone is a virgin. She gets all excited because <laughs> she's always wanted to throw an Aztec party where they sacrifice a virgin, but they could never do it at the Playboy Mansion because implication, they're all sluts. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And so they have this party where Emma Stone acutely points out that there are all these um, uh, statues that are reminiscent of Easter Island, which is like 2,000 yeah. miles from where the Aztecs settled. Uh, and it's and then there's like these men in like lays and hula skirts banging on drums. It's just like, it's cultural appropriation out the fucking wazoo. And then, yeah. and then they indeed like dress her up like some sort of, you know, fictionalized Aztec virgin drop her in a bowl of gelatin and it's a lot but emma stone's character speaks on that right doesn't she call some of that cultural appropriation out she's like wait a minute it's before cultural appropriation she's more calling out the fact that it's just like factually inaccurate it doesn't go together yeah exactly she's like why are there east island statues here at the aztec party like they're nowhere near each other not like why are we throwing a party (laughs) this is so fucked up yeah yeah exactly like appropriating a culture that we don't understand uh, as white people uh yeah yeah there was that unfortunately i think in college it's like let's pick a theme and it'll be like geishas or like cowboys and indians and i think now 
people are more um, aware of this shit. But back in the day, it oh, was like, yeah. great. Yeah, let's put on a lot of eyeliner and pretend to be Japanese. Like, no, fuck. Hey, I've been to some college parties where the week before, some kid was telling me um, they celebrated MLK Day by drinking 40s and getting chicken wings. And I, was, and I was sitting right next to him when he said it. And I was like, yeah, black people suck, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, and he just looked at me and he was like, ah. It's the casual racism. And that, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. Well, you feel so comfortable. Right. Right. That you could say something like that. And honestly, that's kind of how we know this movie was from 2008. Yeah. No shade to Adam Sandler, but a lot of jokes in his movies tend to be at other people's expense. And David and I always talk about punching down. And like the Aztec thing, while it wasn't a joke on people from that culture or from, you know, that region, it was definitely a backdrop where nobody on set batted an eye, right? Like nobody was like, mm, should yeah. we be dressing up like this? No, right. it was just a funny device that we used. And it's funny to say the virgin joke and let's do this whole scene. And yeah, that, that you're right to raise that Rob. That's a bit like, eh, yeah, why? that was a bit oh, off color. Yeah. What and up? the jail scene when she tells, uh, with the guy with the heavy with makeup. The makeup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That um, stuck out to like, me. Yeah. I'm a dude. That wouldn't fly into. I don't feel like it was a hate. It wasn't like hateful. No, that was. He was just like, I'm a dude. Yeah, that was a similar. It was a similar thing where there was just kind of like thoughtless inclusion of those things. Like they were just Mm -hmm. like, they Mm -hmm. could have had a pretty smart scene where she's in jail with some hookers and one of them's a drag queen. But instead, like all the hookers were drunk and just sort of falling over. It was like Mm -hmm. not not that like we're expecting a movie called House Bunny to have good representation of sex workers. But like (laughs) there could have been some smart sort of jokes played in there. Um, But they kind of. Yeah, they missed an opportunity to talk about feminism. Like what I was saying, like true feminism is if you want to get your titties out and rub in someone's face. Great. Go for it. Like pose naked. Um, Yeah. But instead of like shaming. And I think there is even something she says where she's they say she's a sex worker and then she goes, I'm not a sex worker. And then they kind of make a joke like, well, she's a bunny. It's like, what are you trying to say? Here? Right. You know? Yeah. I agree. That was a little off color. Definitely the, um, the man in the jail. And then also like just the ageism joke. Like it's the main joke at the beginning that she's 27 and this is so, so old. Right. Mm-hmm. And although it's like a tongue in cheek and then we find out that Hef didn't really write the letter, it still cuts a little close to home. could go to that industry, right? With models and maybe I not too familiar with the model industry, but maybe that's kind of how it works. I think in a lot of start getting, yeah, I think in a lot of areas of modeling, especially like runway and, Mm -hmm. you know, sort of like, um, high, nudity fashion fashion. photography i mean less and less high fashion i mean i I don't really know what i'm talking about to be sure but there is does seem to be a movement in some fashion to include more you know body diversity more age diversity Mm -hmm. Um, which is good to see yeah not so much when you look at like runway models but i follow um, a model online and she's like 70 and she's um crushing it in editorial and i think that's true i think like the way that the society is going is we're getting more inclusion of like gender fluid models and like Mm -hmm. different body types and all of this shit and i think we're seeing a shift in hollywood too right like i think this joke was more relevant pre you know right now we are so lucky to have uh women like reese witherspoon and nicole kidman who are aging and who are still getting these incredible roles but previously it was like you were either the hot young thing 
you know, like the Emma Stones of the world, yeah. or you were the mom, or you were the grandma. Like that's. Do you guys see? Uh, I believe it's Emma Thompson just did her first nude scene at like sixty or seventy in a upcoming movie she has. I, I saw the see. article. I didn't. Yeah. yeah I didn't see the movie. Mm-hmm. And like her, her and her scene partner like sat down, discussed like body imaging and issues be- all before oh, like amazing. they did this scene. Yeah. And I think that's part of the, the, the movie is about her like finding a new sort of lease on her life. Right. She either gets her divorce or is widowed and sort of mm-hmm. rediscovers her sexuality. My Emma Thompson story, which I've said before, is my dad used to date Emma Thompson in the <sighs> 80s in London. That's how I can't wait till I get to meet Emma one day and be like, do you remember my dad? I'm sure he was. A, <laughs> I'm sure he was a dickhead. I'm sure he was back in the day. He was like a model and I'm sure he fucked it up. And that's why my last name isn't Thompson. Yeah. So. Good one, dad. Good going. Fucking but I, I love her and I, I love you're right. Like, I love where the industry is going. Yeah. With, like it occurs bodies. to me. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say bodies are different and bodies change. And Mm -hmm. that is cool. I am down for that on TV. Yeah. Sorry. Finish your thoughts. No, I was just I was going back to the drag queen in the jail cell. It's just like the whole joke now that I'm thinking about it is that she doesn't know what a drag queen is like. She can't recognize Mm -hmm. a drag queen. She doesn't know what it is. We as the audience are expected to not are expected to like have an inkling that she might be a drag queen, but are supposed to be along with a joke that like when she's like, honey, you'd look better without makeup. And she goes, I'm a dude. That it's like, oh my gosh, how crazy is it to have a drag queen? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, and now we have dra- RuPaul's Drag Race. Like, you won't meet a person in this country, maybe in the world now, who doesn't know what a drag queen is. Um, yeah. Well, I wasn't sure yeah. if it was like a joke, if it was trying to be like a transgender fear joke. Um, but yeah, it, it in all around, it was just kind of out of place and a bit like, eh, why? Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, a guy in a dress and makeup. So fucking funny. Like, I see guys in makeup all the fucking time and they sell makeup for men now. And that's totally normalized. Yeah. So and it's really expensive. Up. And that's really expensive. I own a lot of it. <laughs> but again, right. Oh, mm-hmm. eight. Yeah. Wasn't as mainstream or. It's just different how things have changed. Yeah. Even yeah. like 15 mm-hmm. years. like And 14 years isn't a lot. So, yeah. It is, it is and it isn't, but when I look at the fashion, it feels like a long time. I know. Oh, my God. <laughs> what? You, did, you didn't like that girl's back brace? <laughs> I'm not talking about the back brace. I'm, <laughs> I'm talking about Kat Dennings wearing a, a singlet top, two singlet tops over the top of each other, and then a big chunky belt over the and top. And the hair. nothing. Mm-hmm. The ombre and the streaks. Just like, oof. That was a look. Yeah, there was. It's just funny. Like I owned a lot of that stuff, so I watched. I mean, two thousand and eight. I was in college in university, so these girls were really the same age as me, and just to see the way they were dressing. But uh, yeah, it it gave me flashbacks of the terrible fashion choices (laughs) that we all made. But yes, the the back brace was hilarious. That was a callback to Forrest Gump. Yeah, because Colin um, Hanks is in this movie, and obviously Tom Hanks played played that there was a lot of little in jokes like that that i thought were kind of cute and funny i forget mm-hmm. i had a bunch and i can't find my notes because i wrote them down on a piece of paper and then left them somewhere else but um <laughs> they they did have some smart moments and i think those cultural jokes are funnier than like yeah making fun of someone in drag well there's or- some there's some set, there's such great quips like i i only wrote down this one because i don't know why i didn't write down the others but eyes of the nipple of the face is something mm-hmm. i say that was that was pretty like, funny accidentally it'll just come out of my mouth in completely random scenarios and it's such a fucking brilliant line it doesn't make any sense it's such a good (laughs) joke um there are a lot of those in this film a lot of little a lot of little like did you knows like if you go onto imdb and check out the um like the what is it called like the 
goth trivia. 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 Yeah. Yeah, they have some good ones. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, she had like 70 different uh, costume changes. One Every 1.4 minutes. Wow. For how, I mean, for how the costume, the shopping montages, both as the bunnies and then with the Zeta girls, are phenomenal. That is, mm-hmm. that is also such a 2008 thing, right? Yeah. Like, I feel like every, every movie had, like, a makeover scene where they right. were, like, going through the store and the music. And also, oh, my God, the music in this movie, you guys. I was getting oh, yeah. flashbacks. Yeah, for sure. Flashbacks. <laughs> it was too much where every song just felt like a personal attack, to be honest. With you. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh. uh, like Rihanna, round of applause. Yeah. Um, oh, also, can we yeah. talk about the little like performance they do at the end during oh the credits God. when they're dancing? Yeah, so and they're rapping the, on the porch. They're dancing and rapping. It's like <laughs> we are the Zetas or something like that. I don't even remember how it goes. Like, please but, make it stop. Oh my God. Um, okay, so I found some of the little trivia's. So in please. the film, Natalie, played by Emma Stone, makes a reference to Austin Powers, which. Monet Mazur, who played Cassandra, appeared in Austin Powers as a model. So that was a fun one. Which one was Cassandra? She was one of the friends, right? In the house? Or was she the house mom? The house mom was from um, Christmas Vacation. And Casper. <laughs> and yeah. just all, all the all the vacation. Oh, uh, th- that's another one. So uh, Cather- Catherine McFay was one mm-hmm. of the girls. I think she was the pregnant one, Harmony. Right? Yeah. And she was also on American Idol. So they all the American Idol oh. jokes were kind of funny. Oh yeah, so uh, sh- uh, Beverly D'Angelo, Mrs. Beverly Hagstrom. Beverly D'Angelo, yeah, yeah, she was in Playboy in 1994. Oh, though she didn't, po- though she didn't pose for them, um, but she was like in it. I don't know. There was just like random things like this. I mean, Christopher McDonald feels like a happy production staple. He played mm-hmm. uh, uh, Scooter Scooter Jackson or something like that in Happy Gilmore. Yeah, um, that's probably not his name, but yeah, Nick's Nick's uh, Swartzen was the Playboy photographer. Mm-hmm. Oh, I liked him. Yeah, what what did yeah. we think of the male characters in this film? Because they were pretty one dimensional. It's funny that we always talk about the yeah, not not Colin Hanks's character, but like the hot guy that Emma Stone's character really likes. I was like, why does she like him? He's I know he's really weird funny. looking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I kind of like that they're just sort of like pawns in the larger story that's mostly women. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, Christopher McDonald has a little bit of like a male saviorism thing going on where like he's the only one that can save the the f- f- sorority from getting shut down. Um, yeah, and it's too bad that he can't just find one more person. So all these people are standing up. First of all, no college kid is going to a boring ass meeting about. I know. I was like, who is going to this procedural like shutdown of a frat of a? Sorority? I don't know. Have you guys ever seen Accepted? No. Yeah, not maybe not. No. Is that uh, about that's, France? Well, <laughs> yeah. Uh, they have a scene in there because they're trying to get qualified to be a actual certified campus, mm. and a whole whole room full of people trying waiting for that decision. So. Got it. Yeah, you know, it, yeah, it's a smaller community on a college campus. Yeah, yeah. so if you get Even, everybody uh, like, hey, I need, I need your support. How many, like how many that. meetings did you go to for like? I didn't. I never lived on campus. Okay, so I did. I didn't have that. I experience. lived. I lived on campus for three years, and I went to like college events. But 
I never went to any meetings about anything because I didn't give a shit about anything except getting <laughs> wasted every single day of the week. Hell yeah. You're selfish, Paris. I mean. You could have stood up for the Zetas. I could have put my hand up and been the 30th person instead of the poor girl who just gave birth that got wheeled in. Imagine yeah. that conversation <laughs> with the paramedics. Listen, I know I just had a baby out here on the garden, <laughs> but I need you to wheel me in there. They'd be like, no, ma'am. Fuck you. Like, yeah. please, please get in the ambulance. <laughs> I just love that the final straw, it comes from the bitchy sorority, like, you know, second in the command, who's yeah. like, mm-hmm. I actually wanted more of a moment from her because I was watching it and I was like so ready for that climactic moment. And she just kind of goes like, ugh, I'm sick of you. And she runs over the Zetas <laughs> and it's like, yay. And I wanted her to be like, you're a fucking bitch and I hate yeah. you yeah. and I don't want anything to do with the sorority and I'm going over there. Fuck you. I'm out. Like punch her in the yeah, tit. Yeah, punch her in the tit. Yeah. She got punched in the tit. Thank you. She gets punched in the tit yeah. like 20 minutes into the movie and you're waiting for the redemption <laughs> and it sort of comes when Beverly D'Angelo punches the puncher yeah. in the don't tit. Be, yeah. Don't be punching people in the tits. That is not fun. But also, <laughs> I did, so that is, this is again like a 2008 movie where you were saying like comedy of errors. So the super shy girl goes to mail out the acceptance letters of the, oh, yeah. of the chosen people, which this they trope. just pick at random or whatever. And then someone steals the envelopes. The mean girl gets this guy to like distract her and then they steal them. And then at the end, like imagine if you were someone that had rushed this house, you've gone to the effort of putting in an application and then it's just, they're just picking people from the crowd. They're like, I'll join, I'll join. What if you had a class at that time? And you're like, wait, so I didn't make it into the sorority because I was busy, even though I applied. This Maybe is next year. Yeah. <laughs> this is bullshit and it's not a, democrat- a democratic process and I'm fucking sick of this shit. <laughs> but um, I also don't understand the Greek life thing. So I don't know if yeah. you guys probably weren't in frats or sororities. I don't really know. I was, we, I was not. we had a very small Greek, Greek, Greek presentation on our uh, campus. Our Greek uh, substitute was acapella, which I did partake in to, <laughs> that to was, a fault. Oh my God. So you were in Pitch Perfect basically? Is that I what you're telling me? I lived Pitch Perfect. That was my life. Mm-hmm. All the way Can down. You give us ICCAs. a sample. No. <laughs> was it like Pitch Perfect, where there was competitions and everyone was fucking everyone? Like, yeah. Was it? That's all correct. The one thing about Pitch Perfect, we're getting off topic, but the one thing about Pitch Perfect that pissed me off was when they go into the pool and they have their sing off, and everybody who's in acapella also knows how to like improvise acapella, which is like nearly impossible, if not like very difficult, and yet they all do it brilliantly. Of course, it's a movie, but I was just sort of like. This is a little polite for the reality of acapella, which was a bunch of nerds singing and getting blackout drunk and making out with each other. That was really what acapella was about. So sounds fun. How? What is the Greek thing? I don't get it. So I mean, I I get the concept of like what a sorority is, but actually maybe I don't because like does everyone live in the house? No, right? It depends on the Greek life. Like a, when I was in college, we had Greek houses that where you could live in the house, but you didn't have to. But the houses were like in prime locations on campus. So you kind of wanted to live in the house. So it was kind of like a common room or something that you could go to, right? Well, but you had to be in the, you had to be in that house. If you were a member. Yeah, exactly. Like a Soho house, but for campus. Yeah. A really shitty, sticky from beer runoff Soho Mm -hmm. house. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it was like a community, like you could make friends really easily. A lot of them pitched the fact that like their alumni networks were super prestigious. So you'd have job opportunities. Yeah. A lot of connections. Yeah. do Do you have to pay? to be a part of it yes it usually okay. i th- i think usually you have to pay like a, a nominal fee like okay. every semester or something 
It depends where you're at, too. Yeah. A lot of the schools in the South are just monster, like sororities oh, and fraternities, sure. yeah. and they do it big. Yeah, like uh, I, I've you can see those places. I've on seen campus. like women in their Instagrams be like Delta Theta Delta or whatever, mm-hmm. like you know the things are, and they're like my sisters, and I just don't. So the way it works in Australia, and I can only speak for New South Wales, which is the state that I went to school in. Um, I went to the University of Sydney, but I lived at Wesley College, which kind of was like a frat and a sorority mixed together. It was a yeah. mixed, and and they like that's where I lived. Everybody lived there. Like if you went to the college, you had to live there. It wasn't like a common room thing. It was like there were three hundred rooms, and only three hundred people could go there, and you you know, did everything together. That's where we ate. That's where we had parties. Like being an international person, I, that was my, like that was my family and that Mm -hmm. was my entry into university life. So I'm always confused. So is like certain chapters, like they have different ones across different campuses, right? Well, so like different sororities and frats will have different instances at different colleges. So like Sigma Chi is a big frat and there's a Sigma Chi at Harvard. There's a Sigma Chi at Yale at, you know, UT Austin. It's sort of like, then you join sort of this global network of Sigma Chi, which was like the douchiest one available. But also a question, like, were you, did you live in the same building the whole, your whole, yeah. So I think that's. Not everybody had to live there. So most people, so it was like, there was like 300 rooms. Yeah. And then, or maybe, maybe there was less, but like the first year would always be, first years would always be the most, like 100, 120. And then some people would drop off and go live in like apartments or whatever. Cause it was mm-hmm. expensive too. Right. Yeah. And then by the third year, there would be like, you'd be whittled down to like maybe a group of like 50 or something. Yeah. You know? I mean, um, I think that's part of it. Cause a lot of us campuses don't have that model. Like a lot of us campuses, you have like freshman housing and then sophomore housing. And like, there's a lottery and you get like a shitty room or you get a better room so one of the ways to get around that was to join a frat and then you'd be guaranteed to have like at least a good location even if maybe sophomore year you had a roommate but then junior year you had your own room like the rooms on campus <clears throat> that the frats had at brown were like really shitty rooms they were like the you know the cement walls with like the carpet that smells like piss but you had your is own. Is that where you went to school, Brown? Is that, yes, isn't I went like to. Kind of yes. a, isn't that kind of a prestigious school? It's kind of a prestigious school, yeah. It's an Ivy League. <laughs> but they only have acapella groups and doors. Yeah, we, yeah, we uh, only have acapella groups, and you have to join an acapella group or you get kicked out of school. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but the frats were like a way to get good housing on campus, in the center of campus, and get your own room guaranteed by the time you're like a junior or senior. Cool. Makes sense. And then. You get to be tortured by people, right? Because that's know. what we see There's in like movies. There's like hazing and shit, yeah. and it's like it's fucked up. Yeah, we've gotten real far off house bunny. <laughs> that's okay. I mean, no, because it's all kind of related. I mean, they you know live in the house that no one wants to live in, and it's kind of shitty, and she yeah. fixes it, which we never establish where the money comes from to throw. There's so bodies. much money in this movie that never. So first of all, she gets kicked out of the bunny house, and she has to use drive this like beat up old Volvo that she can't afford to fix. She can't afford to stay anywhere. So she sleeps in the car. Then when she gets to this house. They go on shopping sprees. They redo mm-hmm. the house. They resod the lawn. They throw this Aztec party. They have moving trucks come in full of like event party planning equipment. It's it's like this epic blowout. And I'm like, where the fuck is all this money coming from? Yeah, Student loans. <laughs> yeah. Daddy's credit card. <laughs> that was something also that fucked up in the beginning where she's sleeping in her car and the police is like, I'm going to need you to blow into this. And she assumes that she's being forced to give a blowjob. Yeah. Which we, again, probably links to... 
fucked up shit that has happened in her life slash in the Playboy Mansion. So just saying, tie knot and nice little bow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. I think this movie is very funny and I do think it's worth a watch, but I think it does raise some questions. Like, mm-hmm. where are all the black people? <laughs> yeah. Anyone. Where's anyone of any anyone? other color yeah. than white? And, or gay. Um, or, yeah. Yeah. or gay. Yeah, where are the gay people at? Because there was there was a gay joke in there too, right? Uh, she's Emma Stone says maybe he wants the kind of guy that wants to talk and have a conversation. And oh, she says, yeah. "What is he gay? So he's gay?" And she's like, "No, he just wants to talk." To yeah, you. yeah, because it was the mid two thousands, and you could just be like, "What are you gay?" And that was like hilarious. There was I did clock I forget where it happened, but there was a that's so retarded uh, mm. in the film. I think yeah, it was said I, by like the villain, and like it was sort of used to make her seem worse. But it was just sort of like it's jarring. Yeah. Yeah, and they had her that uh karaoke song that those girls yeah. were singing. Yes, and they that's were the scene. Doing the words. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Yeah. Yikes. Uh, mm-hmm. but having said that, we did David did watch it two times and he did laugh. And Anna Faris, as we said, is an angel and we yeah, love her. Indeed. So, you know, more Anna Faris, please. I haven't watched that show Mom. I think it's like a million episodes in yeah she left recently but oh, uh, okay. i think it's quite good okay she's she's I, getting that bag so listen she used to be married to chris pratt she's okay yeah she got out she, thank god she got out he ended up marrying schwarzenegger's daughter or granddaughter yeah. you know they're off being super religious which is you know if that's your thing good for you mm, just get Not vaccinated my- <laughs> which, <laughs> which they won't <laughs> oh boy well rob uh this is kind of the part of the podcast where we like to give somebody a little shout out do mm. you have someone you are the guest so we will allow you to go first david and i have accidentally picked the right the same person i think only a few times but it's always mm-hmm. funny because there's loads of people to shout out in the yeah in the- i would like to give a shout out to art director john chichester also known for Star Trek Into Darkness. I thought the uh, party scene, while, you know, appropriate and fucked up, yes. was very well done. And I just thought, like, the whole... every Everything works in this film. There's nothing sort of out of place. The house is really janky that they live in. The other sorority house is super nice. It's got a good college vibe. It's like everything fits, and you really just are immersed in uh, a really believable world. And so I thank John for that. I'm sure many people had a hand in that, but I'm going to shout yeah, out to John. We see you and we John, appreciate you, John. Yeah, we see you and we appreciate David, you. Paris, who do you got? Well, my internet's being slow, so how about you? All right. <laughs> I'll take it. All right. I went with uh, John Perchetti, and he's in the editorial department mm. in visual effects. So he worked on The Amazing Spider-Man in 2012. Next, 21 Jump Street for getting Sarah Marshall. And he's still doing his thing. He's uh, He worked on Dynasty. He was a colorist on a ton of stuff. The Kissing Booth 3, Kissing Booth 2. Uh, what else? The Society, Alien Code. He's got a ton of credits on here. So, you know, good for you, man. Yeah. And uh, being a colorist is a very important part, especially a movie like this when you have this great shopping montage yeah and all these great dresses and clothes and back braces so <laughs> yeah john we see you and we appreciate we see you we appreciate you 
We see you and we appreciate you. Um, I am going to shout out someone else, but I do think it would be remiss not to just give a quick shout out to the writers. It's very rare to see a female duo writing team. And these women were behind a lot of the rom-coms that we love. 12 Things I Hate About You. 12 Things right. I Hate About You. But yeah, uh, exactly what you said. And just, you know, it's just rare. It's just rare to see two women crushing yeah. it in the industry as writers and we love to see it but in the spirit of feminism and women doing kick-ass jobs i want to give a shout out to deborah shiat who was the editor of this film um because again editing can be kind of a male dominated uh, area we're definitely seeing that change but i love that they you know really focused on finding some department heads with you know you know a woman would have a different opinion on how to edit this and a lot of the film comes together in the edit so Deborah also worked on um, Two Weeks, Loser, Never Been Kissed, Dead Man on Campus, Clueless, the TV series, uh, South of Sunset, Passport to Murder. Um, she looks like her last uh, credit was in 2013 and as an editor, but still, she was out there doing her thing. So, Deborah, we see you and we appreciate you. See you, we appreciate you, Deborah. Deb. Deb. Before we decide whether or not this film has aged like milk, Rob, where can people find you on the social media? Oh, posts? social medias. I've made it obnoxiously annoying to find me. Uh, <laughs> I am Rob Just Does Things on Instagram. I am Rob Says Things on Twitter. And I am Rob Just Talks Things, T O K, <laughs> on TikTok. We will include those in the body body of our Thank you, podcast and descriptions. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> no, it's, it's my fault. I, I fucked up. No, good. I think it's smart. I think it's great. I love that. I love that it's like slightly more challenging than it should be because <laughs> yeah. people really have to work for it if they want. Yeah. If you want to find um, me, you gotta you gotta hunt, bitch. You gotta hunt, bitch. <laughs> what uh what exciting things do you have coming up in this year 2022? Oh my gosh. Well, I have a couple short films coming out soon I'm really excited Ooh. about. I don't know when exactly they'll be available, but one is called Dead Talks. That's opposite Denzel Whitaker, who you may know from Black Panther. Um, and then I have a film, short film called Real Drag, where I play a drag queen who does not want a woman to join their cohort of drag queens. Um, that's from Pink House <laughs> Productions. I'm really excited to see that. Uh, so keep an eye out. And that is that is an interesting and controversial yeah, drag is. kings, right? That's what they're called. Well, this this is a woman just trying to find her femininity femininity oh. through doing you know, traditional drag, dressing as a, a woman. Um, I guess that's not traditional drag, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, and then a couple, you know, it's sort of questions. So like, what is the purpose of drag? Who is the community for? Who can it be for? Um, it's really nice. I'm, I really it like the film. sounds fascinating. Yeah, I yeah, play that a- total bitch. Just... <laughs> it's not very hot. No, I'm just kidding. He's like, I really had to dig deep on that. I know. One. It was a real, a real oh, acting. I, I know a sorority you can join. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we know a place where you will be accepted for who yes. you are. Thank the true goodness. bitch that you are. Yes. Well, Rob, if someone is thinking about, you know, getting into acting, we always ask people kind of like for a little bit of advice. Do you have any that you can share with anyone, you know, being like a Brown graduate and such? It's such a prestigious school. Mm-hmm. I mean, the only advice I would I would say join UCB, but that's not a thing anymore. So mm-hmm. um, I would say network, network, network. And it sounds so sort of blah. And just try to think of it not like networking, like just make friends, make friends at your level. 
don't try to chase the people who are like making movies and making TV shows when you just moved to LA. Like the people you meet now are the people who are going to be making movies when you're ready for them in five years. So those are the people you want to meet, not to try to like sneak into Hugh Hefner's party and meet the head of Warner Brothers. <laughs> He's not going to do anything for you. He can't do anything for you. And so don't bother. So build those relationships. Yeah. Those lasting, put the foundation down. And just be with cool. Real just be real. Yeah. Be nice. Yeah. Don't be a dick. You know, lift other people up so that, you know, when you need the help, they can help you out. And just it's be, so just true. Be and it's why, even though, yeah, we, Adam Sandler, sometimes we're like, hmm, Adam, that was an interesting choice. But, you know, he works with the same people consistently. And it's yeah. true. They all started out together. I see it all the time, you know, from the agency world. I'm not in the agency world, but the people who, you know, all started off in the mailroom together, like you hear that a lot, like they became the agents or someone was like, fuck this, I'm going to be a writer. And then they were the people that were able to help them out. And you're totally right, Rob, being cool and just being yourself and not being like, I need something from this person is so crucial. Mm. So that is a great piece of advice. My pleasure. Yeah, my pleasure. Mm. Um, I'm very wise. Yes, Sally Brown. (laughs) I was in the acapella group. (laughs) We must decide whether or not we think this film has aged like milk. David, you go first because you saw it for the first time. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, let's do that. (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and say there were a couple things that – you know, raised an eyebrow. I was like, eh, like you really didn't need that. But overall, I think this movie's heartfelt. So I don't think this movie aged like milk. I think I felt good watching it. And overall, the ending was good. Made me feel good. Made me laugh at multiple times. And Anna Ferris is just hilarious. Like uh, Rob was saying earlier, scary movie like does it for me. And she crushed all those roles. So not knowing about this and seeing this and seeing her kill this kind of uh, character was was good for me. So I uh, I enjoyed it. I cannot believe you hadn't seen this film because you usually like have seen the film that I have not unless it's like. Yeah, I hadn't even heard about this. Movie. Yeah, so crazy to me. So I will tell the truth. I hadn't heard about it until like five years ago. And I dated a guy wow. who claimed that it was his favorite movie. So I watched it and I waited until one morning when we after we had hooked up and I woke him up by saying, good morning, Pooter. You're looking dapper. <laughs> to which he responded, what? He didn't get the joke. He was lying when oh, he told wow. me it was his favorite movie. He had never he'd oh, seen it maybe wow. once. First of all, if you're going to lie about your favorite movie, you should choose something like Amadeus. You know what I mean? Like something like really like, oh, yeah, my favorite movie is Taxi Driver. Like I just yeah. think it's, you know, historical and blah, blah. So someone can't quote it. I mean, just like, it's just so crazy that he would say this yeah. is his favorite movie and then not even fucking get it. If you said that to me, I would it was a get choice. it. Yeah. It was a choice. But it was a part of the persona he was building. I mean, sure. he turned out not to age like milk. So that, or excuse me, he aged like milk. He did so, age yeah. like milk. I was going to say, yeah. and that man's name, my husband. I'm yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the man I'm married to off camera. Well, Rob, what do you think? What do you think of this film? Has it is it fresh or has it aged? I'm with David. I think it has not aged like milk. I think it's probably aged like a wine that's like just a tiny bit corked. Like you could still drink it. It's got a little funk to it. Like there were a couple jokes, whereas to your point, I think it's like you just didn't need that. And it wasn't very thoughtful. But to their credit, you like you said, it's two women writers, like it's very hard to get a movie like that made. I thought with the the premise that they had, they did a really good job. 
And there just probably wasn't enough awareness at all points of, you know, that production process to think, you know, should we make that drag joke? Should we say that's so retarded? Should we have them do an Aztec party? Like without commenting on it a little bit more. I think this day and age, you could make a similar movie and just tune it up a little bit and it would be quite funny. And have some diversity, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Add a black person. A yeah. single black person. Or, you know, it doesn't even have to be a big part of the character. I'll do it. it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be the gay guy. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll be the white woman because there weren't enough there of weren't those enough in this white movie. women in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Represent. Ugh. There's no, no Australians. Oh, no Australians. No. But, no, you know, no Aussies. We're a rare breed. Like, you know, there's only like 10 million of us or something. I don't know. <laughs> and we're all locked inside Australia unless we escaped pre-pandemic. So um, I'm going to say this film aged like bunny milk um, in that like I'm sure that bunnies create milk. <laughs> I haven't seen it on the shelf. It isn't offered to me in L.A. It's, you know, it's a uh, it it, t- <laughs> tiny little nipples. He's not she's he or she. I guess it's a she rabbit. She's not getting <laughs> yeah, the nipple play. <laughs> but i just think it is like it's a rare it's a rare thing you know like yes there are some off colored things i again like wouldn't have chosen it necessarily to consume at the time because i think the marketing was very weird you know like i just it just comes across as something that it's not but at the end of the day it is milk and um i guess this is my roundabout way of saying that i agree with you guys and i don't, I don't know what i'm talking about but yes yeah, so i was trying just to make wanted a us to picture bunny so teats. the 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 bunny teat milk stayed fresh in your freezer <laughs> yeah. in your fridge you you, yeah. you would put this bunny teat milk on your cereal well, that's what i'm saying i don't know if i would because who the fuck would do that but like if you drank it it's actually good right nourishing yeah sure. yeah but like how it's would, good it's good for heart health yeah but how would you know that because it again like david you'd never even like heard of this film you know so true i believe from what i read it was pl- the posters were everywhere in um in la and actually an interesting quote that i saw from one of the writers was uh i think it's funny that somebody said it wasn't sexy enough since that was definitely not our intent our intent was to make a funny movie not a sexy movie which i thought was interesting because if you throw anna faris onto a billboard kind of in the bunny outfit you're gonna get a certain type of vibe from this film and then the film was actually like a very heartfelt feminist kind of message so yeah, it's it's bunny milk in that it's confusing, but still good. Mm. Did, did I wrap it as, up nice? As all good yeah. bunny milk is. As it should be, with the teeny <laughs> tiny little nipples. And you know how they milk a cow? Imagine that, but just for, oh, just yeah. for uh, bunny rabbits. I'm picturing I'm, it. Tweezers. I have nipples, Greg. Could you milk me? Right, David? Oh, That's yeah. That's our intro. Um, well, Rob, thank you so much for Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, nice to meet you, you bud. Rob. Rob. We are so excited <laughs> that you're to that your TikTok got so many views. Um, try to remember us. We, you know. we are going to make a TikTok at some point. Yep. And maybe we could collab. Yeah, let's hit the you collab. Know, maybe we'll, we'll milk a bunny on the TikTok. <laughs> Please, no. I think, I think Peter would have something to say about that. I mean, like, these fucking podcasters are doing something terrible. But no, it's, it's really great to see you, you know, still thriving in Me the too. pandemic. And I long for the day where we can go to something like a Camp No Counselors with no fear of the virus and, you know, get really drunk and stumble upon some people fucking in a slide. Because sure. that is just true freedom. That's the American dream. Mm. It is the American dream. Well, for now, thank you, Rob. Everyone, please go and find him on social media. We'll drop his links in the description of this podcast. But David, you should check your fridge. 
and make sure that milk ain't spoiled. Because gross milk is gross. Thanks for listening, guys. Don't forget to follow us, too, and tell all your friends about how hilarious we are. We love and appreciate every single one of you. Anna Ferris, hit us up. We'll do a co-podcast. I love we'll you, Anna. We'll do yours, we do ours. Love you, yeah. Anna. She'll definitely hear this. She is. <laughs> yeah, for sure. She'll listen to our podcast. She's all like, yeah. oh, for sure. Yeah. Okay, bye, guys. Bye. Bye.